Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome on in to another Monday night episode of The Wolverine. Whoa, we just flip-flopped there. There we go. Mr. Hutch working the magic behind the scenes. Welcome to another edition of The Wolverine, a Monday night show uh, presented by our friends over at The Rogue Shop. Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safey. Chris Ballas not with us this week. Uh, so just be the two of us here, uh, basically here as long as your questions come in. So feel free to get questions into the queue. We'll talk Michigan TCU. We'll talk transfer portal. We'll talk whatever's on your mind. And be sure to also use that donate feature below to uh, move yourself to the front of the line and also put a little put a little food in the dog's bowl, uh, so to speak, this month. So uh, Anthony Broom here again with Clayton Safey. Clayton, uh been a bit of a slow couple days. It, it's actually been kind of a uh, quite the juxtaposition from how this year has started or how the season has gone for us. It feels like every time you turn a corner or you know click out of a browser tab, there's something else to get to. But finally, a little bit of a chance for some R and R, so to speak. And uh, how you feeling coming off of our first non-game week? Uh, I, there was the bye week, but really. First week with no football of the next few weeks we'll have without no football uh, in a long time. 
Yeah, and no basketball over the weekend either for Michigan with a little break here going into finals. So uh, it was pretty nice. Watched uh, Army-Navy, part of that. Watched some other college hoops games and then watched the basically the whole NFL slate, including our Detroit Lions with a huge win over the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. So excited about that. Uh, as people on YouTube can see, I'm wearing my Arizona Diamondbacks hat. I am very much ready to uh, get down to Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl. Um, but it is a little nice to have a little bit of a break here. Michigan back at practice this week, and we'll get some players later on in the week, I assume. So we will uh, have coverage on that. But it, uh, it was a good weekend. Yeah, I'm doing a mailbag post for tomorrow, and one of the questions was asking about the practice schedule. So real quick, I mean, it sounds like they get going Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning. So that's answers that. Last week, coaches were on the recruiting trail, doing in-home visits and all those types of things. And now um, it's kind of they're kind of pulling double duty. They're closing out this class, heading into the early signing day, which is next week on Wednesday. And then obviously you have what? How does the math work here? Is it two or three weeks of prep for TC? I think it's three at this point. So they'll have the yeah. two, two weeks at home. They'll fly out. I believe the media schedule says they will fly out the 26th, and then they'll be in Arizona after that. So that's kind of how the next few weeks shake out for us. Again, uh, very little. Uh, we could talk a little bit of basketball tonight as well. A big win on Thursday night against Minnesota. They won't play again until Saturday afternoon against, I believe, Lipscomb. So – Yep. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of one of those, to me, th- this period of the calendar kind of feels like, you know, there's like those two days between the MLB All-Star game and then when games actually start again, where it's just the void of nothingness. Now we have other stuff to talk about, but um, I guess we just can kind of hop right into it. Our first question here, Clayton, is for you, who says, where is the just cover the team sign? Well, thank you, Dom, for even noticing that in the first place. It is I am recording from a different location currently than uh, my my normal household, so that is why it is not here. Um, so yeah, but I, I do love that sign. I do love that sign and the uh, the picture of Harbaugh and, and Bo Schembechler behind me. Typically, right now in a very very bland background, so it's disappointing. I'm sorry about that. Is that a uh, is that a coffee brown? Is that do you know the shade of brown that is behind you? Or let's go with coffee brown. It could be you know you could have said something worse. So I mean, coffee brown. We'll go with that. <laughs> I don't I don't even understand the reference. Uh, if this one's from Jonathan Crutcher, says if Blake Horm leaves, what running back should we go after? Um, I definitely think that that is going to be a priority for them. If Blake Horm does leave, uh, they like. They like what they have in Donovan Edwards. They, I think they have high hopes for CJ Stokes. I have high hopes for CJ Stokes, but you know, one of the strengths of this team is that when one guy has gone down the last couple of years, there's been someone that's able to kind of step in and at least give you some stability there. And Michigan without quorum this year has kind of Frankensteined it together with a mixture of Stokes. And we saw some Isaiah Gash in the Illinois game. We've seen Kalal Mullings in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I don't. I don't really have a name. I don't know if you have names in mind, um, but yeah, I think a third running back would definitely be. You know, if Corum does leave, which again, I won't sit here and call it a coin flip, but I certainly think it's a little. Depending on what your perspective is, it's either a little more likely that he leaves, given the injury, or it's a little less likely if you think it's something that might hurt his stock. So, those are still conversations that are being had and things that are being sorted out. Yeah, I agree. Um... Also think they're maybe going to try to pull a you know late elite 
uh, you know, freshman, you know, try to bring somebody like that in at the end here. You can head to the Wolverine.com on our message board. EJ Holland had a nice note about that earlier on in the day, trying to flip a commit from somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily have a name, but I think you absolutely need another running back to come in, whether it is someone like that, you know, a guy that could come in and step in as a freshman and produce or somebody in the transfer portal that could be productive right away. Because as we talked about a week ago on our Thursday show, you have Donovan Edwards. Let's say, you know, if Blake leaves, we're, we're going under that, uh, you know, pretense. Then beyond that, the guy they trust the most is Kalel Mullings, who's really a linebacker. So, you know, I think you do have a need there. I think they've shown that uh, CJ Stokes looks promising but you still want some more options there. I don't think Tavi Dunlap has proven enough to me right now that he's going to take a huge leap as an upperclassman. So I think you got to go after somebody. The good thing is there are guys filing into the portal right now, but there's going to be plenty of time uh, before, you know, spring ball and things like that, or even guys that will come in in the summer for you to kind of sort that out if you're Michigan. This is right now the time where everyone's going in. You're not seeing a ton of commitments yet. Um, You're seeing some here and there and guys taking visits. Uh, and we can talk about who Michigan's targeting as well at other positions. But uh, I, I think Michigan will have plenty of time. And you give Blake Corum all the time he needs to make that decision because you would love to, even if there's a sliver of a chance that he comes back, which I think there is, uh, you'd like to give him that time to sort out that decision coming off of his surgery. Shane Johnson uh, has made his first appearance of the night with a 499 Super Chat saying, bored, uh, but wanted to say, what up, Clayton? You and CB better meet, better meet for a cold beer or three in Scottsdale. We need a Jaden Davis commitment to get us through to New Year's Eve. So, yeah, I mean, Jaden, the Jaden Davis discussion can uh, Zach Libby and, and EJ Holland will discuss that tomorrow night. But uh, Shane, I'm sorry I won't be able to be there to collect. But um, you know, you can always Venmo me too. I can have a nice little. I can have a virtual beer uh, here at. Uh, the Wolverine.com satellite office uh, here in, in the other parts unknown uh, two two parts unknown locations tonight. So thank you, Shane, for that. Uh, we will go next to let's talk sure. about transfers a little bit. I will say I'm down, Shane. I'm down to get a beer with you or, or four or five. So or, or four or five. Well, you know, Shane's not made of money. He said th- or, or three. So uh, John Stacy, the second has a question that says Michigan looks good for uh, Stewart, the edge transfer, I believe. Clay, that's the guy from Coastal Carolina. Let's just yeah. let's, let's update the board, the transfer board in general, because there has been some movement in the last, even in the last hour or so, in terms of guys coming in, guys coming out. Uh, no commitments for Michigan other than Ladarius Henderson so far. But uh, just before we hit the air tonight, uh, George Rooks put his name in the transfer portal. So that's another out. That's four guys now: Caden McNamara, Eric All. Uh, Louis Hansen and George Rooks. I suspect there will be more, but uh, what about guys that at least we have the board now? You've been keeping track uh, with our tracker on the website, uh, just some of the movement that we've seen since the last time we were on the air. Yeah, so he mentions uh, the one there, Josiah Stewart out of Coastal Carolina, who uh, has a final three of Michigan, LSU, and USC. So uh, I think it shows, you know, some of these guys you look at, who their finalists are. I mean, that's a pretty good top three right there. So I think that it's pretty clear he's talented. He came into this past season as the Sun Belt player of the year, the preseason player of the year. Uh, didn't have as good of a season as a sophomore as he did as a freshman, but 
He's and he's undersized at 6'2, 230. But if you watch some of his highlights, even from his freshman year, he can really get to the quarterback. He's got good bend. So I think Michigan could use him there. You could always move him to linebacker with that build and maybe get some production out of him at that position. Um, so he's definitely one to watch. Uh, as we confirmed earlier on, really just about an hour ago, Michigan will host former Indiana tight end A.J. Barner uh, this weekend for a visit. So tight end to me is a really interesting position to watch for Michigan. It's no surprise because you're losing Eric All. You're expected to lose Luke Schoonmaker uh, as well. He has an invite to the East-West Shrine Bowl, so he'll probably take his shot at the NFL. Uh, but they're really looking hard there. And A.J. Barner was really productive this past season. 10 games at Indiana, 28 catches for 199 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so a good year. He was a team captain. Seems like he'd be a fit. And then they also offered Cal Poly tight end Josh Cuevas, uh, who was an FCS, I believe, close to being an All-American this past season. I think he was an FCS All-American. So one to watch there. He'd, he'd be making a, a jump up in competition. But, yeah, you're seeing guys at edge. Our EJ Holland over the weekend reported they're looking at guys at linebacker some defensive backs. And then the one that really excites me, and it's going to be tough to get, but Fentrell Cypress II, Virginia, he is on three's number one rated player in the transfer portal. He's a corner, former teammate of Olu, Olu Watimi, and uh, would be a really good addition here. And I think the writing's kind of on the wall that you're probably going to lose one of your two veteran corners in DJ Turner or Jamon Green or both. And then you're left with, Will Johnson at the corner spot and a whole lot of guys that have some promise, but don't have a lot of experience. So I think that would be big. Uh, you're seeing, ironically enough, more activity, at least from what's being reported on guys on the defensive side of the ball that Michigan's going after rather than the offensive. And you're, you know, we already know that this Michigan defense is going to be pretty loaded next year. So I think they're just trying to add to that, maybe add some depth. Um, but we've talked about in the past as well, running back, that's kind of TBD. You probably want to get another arm in here at quarterback. And then, you know, tight ends at one to watch. You have the offensive lineman in Ladarius Henderson. And wide receiver is a spot to me that down the road, you know, if they find a good fit, they'll probably, you know, go after a guy like that. So it's really kind of TBD on some positions, but they're definitely trying to hit some of the defensive stuff hard. Yeah, let's talk about a transfer out now. Uh, this one's from Christopher Robbins, who says, Woo, go blue. Uh, sorry, I, I couldn't quite feign the same enthusiasm uh, having read to Woo! us. Woo, there you go. Uh, go blue. Care to comment on the Rooks transfer announcement passed up by Graham, uh, uh, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, and Rayshon Benny? No surprise. I mean, I'm not surprised. I, their, their depth was, is fairly good there moving forward. And when the portal opens up, you have an opportunity to go play. Uh, I know he's an East coast guy. Maybe you go to a Boston college or uh, a Yukon or uh UNLV or not UNLV uh, UMass where Don Brown is. I'm just throwing schools out there. I don't know who's in his, who's in the mix for him, but yeah, George Ricks had a really good spring. Uh, a guy who was, <coughs> excuse me, a difference maker in the spring. And you just, when you play at this level, competition is part of it that's what you sign up for and mason graham's a guy who's going to be a starter here he's probably going to wind up being a four-year starter one would think kenneth grant is a guy that will slide i i mean i already have him kind of penciled in to slide in for mozzie smith in that role next year uh ray sean benny has been a depth guy like rooks was but benny is is just a little bit ahead of him in terms of his development so 
that's the name of the game. That's that's what you that that's what happens at when you're a big time college program. And um, you know, to be a four star guy and commit to maybe a lower tier school, that's it's there's an easier path for playing time. Whereas when you're a four star guy that commits to Michigan, you're kind of just more of a lotto ticket. And we'll see, you know, you see what happens there. Now, I think they would love to have more four star guys in their current recruiting class, but that's a discussion for the guys tomorrow night. But yeah, do you have any any strong opinions on the George Rooks thing? I mean, you wish him well. We never talked to him, I don't think, in a media setting, but all accounts, good guy, good teammates, just another one of those look for a better opportunity type of situations. Yeah, I know our, our recruiting reporter, EJ Holland, was pretty high on him in the recruiting process as kind of a, not a hidden gem because he was a four-star, but a guy that maybe could outplay even his high ranking. Uh, we haven't seen that necessarily to this point. He was a guy that generated a decent amount of buzz back in the spring but just kind of maybe didn't consistently put it together in the fall. You kind of saw as, as Christopher and, and, and yourself, Anthony mentioned, you know, Rayshon Benny is kind of the guy that I think probably took some snaps from him. He did have that fumble recovery against Maryland. I believe it was, or UConn uh, earlier on in the season. UConn, um, yeah. So no, I, I don't, you know, we didn't have a, like an article ready for this for George Rooks. Like we do maybe a couple other guys, but it's definitely not a surprise. I would say, He's a loss, but it's not a huge loss. He was going to be a depth guy. As you said, you always kind of want those guys on your roster, but I don't think it's going to be a huge blow for Michigan. You still have some really, you know, I think those freshmen kind of passed him up, and so did Rayshon Benny. So you're kind of looking at that group and then can develop some of the younger, uh, even, you know, uh, talent that hasn't seen the field as much yet uh, after those guys are, are kind of done. But right now I see Chris Jenkins coming back at that position and, He's going to kind of hold that down and be one of the best defenders on the field next year. We have another one here. Uh, well, not another one. A new question here from Everett Lawrence. He says, growing up in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and he says in parentheses, same school as CJ Stokes, there's a lot of buzz about Nicholas Harbor going to South Carolina. No, this is a topic for EJ, but do you guys have any additional info? Uh, I don't want to speak for you, Clay. I mean, I don't have any intel on the situation. I can just say that from his reporting, we know that he wants to also be a track performer. Michigan is not uh, not quite the same caliber of track school as some of those schools down in the South. Uh, I'll say this, though. I mean, I'm sure NIL is, is going will play a part in it. But the other thing is that, like, that's an easy pitch to him because Michigan's that, that tight end room is kind of open up now. Uh, he's a guy who can be an offensive weapon. He's a guy who EJ thinks can be a disruptive defensive end or pass rush type of guy. And, you know, we've seen when, when Jim Harbaugh has had these type of two way talents in the past that he finds a way, he finds a spot for him. So again, it would be, if they can find a way to hold off South Carolina, that'd be awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any Intel to provide on that. And then like you said, Everett, it is, more of a topic for EJ, but I guess Clayton, based on what we know, just thoughts in general on Nicholas Harbor. I think they could definitely use a guy like that. And the big question is, would he be willing to put on some more weight and play on the defensive side of the ball or play both ways? Um, that'd be a big question, but yeah, tight end wide receiver. You definitely want to take a guy like that. Um, everything that's been reported, you see the NIL is definitely a factor. Track is a factor. It is interesting. I talked to Zaya Holman, who's Michigan's track star, track star, on the women's side. And she's like a big sis to Nicholas Harbor as, as they both describe it. Um, and she's here at Michigan doing really well with NIL, by the way, 
doing really well on the track. She's involved in so many different things. She's actually an ambassador for the football program as well, which does not hurt one bit when it comes to Nicholas Harbor or any of these recruits because she's such a an outstanding uh, you know, student athlete here. So, um, you know, I do think that's working in their favor that she's able to to describe that, hey, I mean, Michigan may not be known for track. It's not a SEC program or even Pac-12, Big 12. You know, there's some powerhouses there, but you can still succeed here. You can still, you know, the, she knows about the football program. She knows how big it is. And you can still do well in school because I know academics are important to Nicholas Harbor. Um, so, yeah, uh, don't have really anything new on his recruitment. But I do think those things are working in Michigan's favor. And as you said, once you get a guy like that on the team on campus, uh, you find any way to get him involved because he is a freak, um, you know, super fast, super big, uh, could get even bigger. And the, the possibilities are really endless with a guy like that. Yeah, you know, you talk about a uh... – Jim Marbaugh's favorite term from the off season, a gift from the football gods. Like, yeah, that's, that's that type of athlete is, is that to a T. So uh, let's put a pin in questions for a second and talk about our friends over at the rogue shop. Uh, obviously we've been talking about them all football season long. Uh, we will continue to talk about them well into basketball season. And as long as we do a Monday night show here, but uh, you guys know all about Richard and Shar, their husband, wife outfit uh, that, Specialize in small batch. <coughs> God, I'm dying here. It's, you're going to witness say, someone die on the air. That's horrible. Um, specializing in small batch, sustainable plant medicine. Hopefully YouTube doesn't flag us for that, by the way. Um, sorry, Rogue Shop. Let's get back on track here. Uh, Richard is a disabled combat veteran, and his wife is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. Uh, they have been amazing partners of us so far this year educating the population about THC-based medicines. If you're looking at stuff that can help with stress, anxiety, chronic pain, insomnia, I would love something for a cough uh, right now, but I don't know if that's something on the, the menu. But uh, their menu of products for everything that we listed above with the anxiety, chronic pain, insomnia, that it's perfect for you. They're willing to hop on a live chat. Uh, Mr. Rogue himself is on our message board answering questions about their product. They sell Delta 8, Delta 9, CBD and THC products that are all lab direct without middlemen. We've listed off the, you know, the C scroll of products several times this year. Uh, so at this point, you guys just need to take our word for it. Check them out at rogueshop.com. You can get 10% off using promo code, the Wolverine. Uh, they grow their own cannabis, manufacture their own stuff with their own two hands. Unlike the competition that is replacing humans with machines. Each box comes with a personal handwritten letter sent with love from Mr. and Mrs. Rogue to add that extra touch to their care packages. So don't wait any longer. Get in on the action. Try Rogue Shop today. I know Clayton is uh, Clayton is a big proponent of the pain cream, which I have not dipped into as much. It's very good. Uh, it works very well. That Christmas gift box that was just pulled up on the screen looks amazing as well. Um, I will say this too. stop by our message board at the Wolverine.com, the fort. Um, they are over there and right around Thanksgiving, they did an awesome deal for the subscribers of the Wolverine.com too. Uh, and they were answering questions. They also answered the questions on the live chat feature that Anthony just mentioned. And that's huge because a lot of people are just kind of getting into this stuff for the first time now that we've seen legalization become more and more common throughout the country. So being able to have a resource like, rogue shop to answer your questions point you in the right direction on what to do is invaluable so go and do that use all the products they're fantastic 
Uh, and if you're already using CBD products, switch over to the Rogue Shop. We got that deal for you, um, as we mentioned, with the promo code Wolverine. So why not join us over there? Uh, we appreciate everybody's support, and uh, we appreciate our sponsors, Rogue Shop. All right, again, you can use promo code the Wolverine for 10% off over at rogueshop.com. Shout out to Richard and Charmaine for their partnership and, and everything they do for us. So let's keep things rolling here. Uh, let's go to another one from Christopher Robbins. And then we got one from Thomas Orzak. We have one from Theodore Dodge and one from JS in the queue that we will get to. Uh, Christopher asks, my guess is that we will see some wide receivers enter the portal. Andrew, Anthony, etc. So he kind of makes a prediction that he's guessing they will enter the portal, but is also asking again um, right now. I think, I think that the group that they have is kind of locked in through at least the playoff. I mean, maybe there's another, there's another guy that trickles out. Um, I mean, I'm not naming name. Like I'm not, this isn't me giving Intel or guys I suspect, but wouldn't be a surprise to see, you know, someone like, I won't even name names. It's irresponsible until guys make a decision, but, you know, you guys know who the the scholarship guys on the roster are that haven't gotten any playing time or little playing time. I'll say this about Andrew Anthony uh, is Michigan has given him every chance this year um, to kind of make an impact. And he gets on the field and he does get open, but he hasn't made nearly enough football plays. And people immediately look at the lack of production and say, why? Like this is this guy's easily a transfer candidate. They need someone to get him the ball. The problem is, is that when Michigan's tried to get the ball to him this year, he hasn't made a play. And the running joke for the longest time was that um, I was picking him every week to be the offensive breakout player of the game. And sometimes it was maybe by the tip of his finger that he missed out on a deep ball or something like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I, I think when it comes to opportunity, Andrew Anthony is a guy who, first of all, it was always going to be tough to get a lot of playing time over guys like Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson. But I don't think he's taken – just call a spade a spade. I don't think he's taken his opportunity that he's had this year and run with it. Yeah, I agree. I also think he he has missed some plays on the ball, but he also has failed to get separation at times as well. He only has seven catches this season. A guy like A.J. Henning only has seven catches himself this season. So, yeah, I mean, those are guys that are contributing right now in some pretty – not prominent roles, but, you know, A.J. Henning's a starting punt returner and a guy who rotates in for a few snaps on offense. Andrew Anthony plays a lot of snaps on offense. So it would be surprising if those guys went in the portal before the playoff, as, as you mentioned, but you never know with today's world. So, I mean, I think we do need to keep an eye on the portal even after the season's over. There's 10 days after the national championship game where this thing will still be open. So keep your eyes peeled there. If you're, you know, a Michigan fan, because I do think we're going to see some surprises too. Could a guy who is a little more of a heavy contributor go in and, you know, I mean, you're seeing that around the country right now with plenty of teams where, okay, this guy's about to step into a pretty big role or this guy already has a pretty big role, even on a winning team, and they're going in. Uh, you're seeing some of the you know top brands in college football losing guys to the portal that they want to stay. So that's happening. Um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily predict any guy at this time. We'll, we'll let them you know, kind of play that process out. But I do think that wide receiver is a spot where they could maybe have some attrition. And to me, it just feels like one of those spots that you're always going to see some potentially because there's only one ball as the cliche says uh, Michigan hasn't thrown it a ton this year. So maybe there is some frustration there from some guys, but uh, I will say this as since Christopher Robbins brought up Andrew Anthony, he's one of my favorite kids on the team. He's a great kid. 
uh, and I do think has a promising future in college football. So I hope he uh, stays at Michigan and really shows what he can do as an upperclassman because there are plenty of guys, man, that don't really turn it on until they're upperclassmen. Uh, and I think he, I think he will if he if he sticks it out here. So uh, wishing him the best. And uh, yeah, I think wide receiver is one where not only will they maybe see a guy or two leave, but they could also be looking for some talent there too. Uh, guys that can, could could contribute next season. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's um, I've, I've only stammered over my words five times as many times if you use have to, I just did right now. So there we go. There's six. <laughs> um, yeah. La- last word on the wide receivers. I mean, I think that people, when we talk about a- uh, Andrew Anthony as a member of this football team, you know, again, this was a, uh, you know, a three-star guy that coming out of high school, people thought might even play cornerback. So there is still, there's still some development there. And you see it when he plays on the field, he's not quite a finished product, but because he had a big game in his own backyard against Michigan state last year, I think expectations of what he is and and where he's at in his development have kind of been skewed a little bit. So we'll see what happens. There could be surprises. Um, Fact of the matter is, is that there's not enough. There aren't enough snaps to go around for everyone to be happy. There's only one football. Um, some guys, and I'm not saying this is even Anthony's situation, but some guys don't want to block primarily as a wide receiver and call a spade a spade. Again, to use that term, guys are being lured into the portal by other schools, promising bags of cash. It's kind of the perfect storm of what the portal being open and guys having opportunities to go play immediately somewhere and guys being coerced into playing immediately somewhere via promises they're getting through uh, back channels and things like that. So again, not saying anyone from Michigan has those type of promises, but um, a long, long way of saying nothing would surprise us. So can I add add this real quick on the wide receivers as well? Like I think not like, I don't think if I'm Michigan, I would totally panic if you do lose a guy at the wide receiver position. Cause I, I do like that trio of freshmen, they have there. I think Darius Clemens is going to be really good here. I think Tyler Morris has flashed a couple things this year, including in that Rutgers game where he had that big third down pickup at the sticks. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good slot guy and kind of reminds you a little bit of a Mike Sainer still when he was at the slot position. Uh, and then Amorian Walker. I mean, he's just such an intriguing athlete. I don't know what you do with him necessarily. If you throw him at defensive back or wide receiver, either way, I think he's going to be a playmaker on, on either side of the ball. So I, I like that freshman class too from Michigan. And I think those guys starting next year could contribute. If you look throughout Michigan history at the wide receiver position, and this is a reason why I was pretty high on what Andrell was going to do coming into this year. It hasn't totally played out. Um, A lot of guys, if you're going to be a really good to great wide receiver at Michigan, uh, talking about guys like Braylon Edwards, things like that, that sophomore year is Anthony Carter. All these guys is really where they become, you know, great players. Um, So, you know, while they haven't done a ton to this point, I think we could see a lot more out of them next year if they get that opportunity. Yes, sir. Let's go to this one from Thomas, who says, how many starters are back in 2023 for Michigan? Uh, I did a piece on this over the weekend. I don't, I did not come prepared. I will queue it up here after I pass the ball to Clayton. But when you look at the guys that are making plays for this football team on both sides of the ball, JJ McCarthy, sophomore, Donovan Edwards, sophomore, um, Colston Loveland, true freshman. Um, there'll be some changes on the offensive line, but again, that's a group where it's like 
just pencil anyone in there right now. And I feel confident that the offensive line will be good to great to maybe even elite uh, defensively. We talked about the guys on the defensive line that will be back. A lot, most of the edge guys will be back. Um, I think there's a chance your entire starting secondary is back. Your entire starting linebacking core could be back. So all of a sudden you look at, you know, last year when you, we were looking at this team is like, is this kind of a magical runner? Is this sustainable? I had it in my brain that it was sustainable, but then fast forward to this year, everything is just even that much better than last year's team. And you're sitting here looking at the, the two deep and you're going, my God, most of these guys will be back again next year. So it's, Michigan is going to stay in this conversation for I'd venture to guess at least one to two more seasons. And if they can get some of this, this stuff figured out on the recruiting trail. And even if they don't, I feel pretty confident that a corner has been turned here. Yeah. Um, because I love the viewers and listeners of this show, I will reveal a little bit. So go and get the Wolverine magazine over at the Wolverine on demand.com, but working on a magazine piece today that I turned in to our editors uh, about a couple things. One, the top five players of the last three games, every issue we, you know, we do the top five players from the most recent games that dating back to the last issue and four out of the five were either freshmen or sophomores. So the future is really bright there. Even some guys that aren't, haven't been full-time starters. You mentioned one of them in Colston Loveland. You look on the defensive side of the ball with Will Johnson, JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards were the other two. Mike Sainer still was was uh, the other guy, by the way. And then I did a bold prediction as well, which I have to do for every issue. Sometimes it's tough. But my bold prediction was with what Michigan has returning, they will be either preseason number two or preseason number one. I would lean closer to two. I'll, I'll admit that right now. I think if Georgia wins at all, they'll probably be number one. Michigan wins at all. They will, in my opinion, be number one going in. Now, preseason rankings don't really matter, but – you know, when you look at a roster and you kind of assess what you have, they matter a little bit. And if looking just at Michigan, I think the future for next season is extremely bright. And I know they still have a national championship to chase this year. But looking at the college football playoff rankings, the top seven teams, it's entirely possible that Michigan's the only one with a returning starting quarterback in there with J.J. And he's a guy that I think is going to take a big leap with a full healthy offseason. So that is really, really exciting. And I know, Anthony, you're pulling up your article, too, that you did predicting those starters. I, I read that, and it was it was great stuff. And I think, what, you lose probably four or five starters, six at most, and there's some decisions with the NFL to be made. But you feel good about the depth they have at some of those spots, including on the offensive line, as you said. So I, I think this Michigan team is going to be pretty loaded heading into 2023. Yeah, but it'll just run through the names really quick. I mean, J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards – uh, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson potentially could come back for a fifth year or Andre Anthony, who we think will take a leap despite the conversation we just had. Uh, Colston Loveland, your left tackle will probably be Darius Henderson or Jeff Percy. Uh, your left guard could be either Trevor Keegan or Giovanni El Hadi. I think Greg Crippen will probably be this team's center. Uh, we'll see what happens with Zach Sinter in the NFL, but uh, right tackle, again, a couple guys who come back for a fifth year, Trente Jones, Carson Barnhart, that Darius Henderson could figure in there. So that's just your offense. And, you know, that's not even accounting for guys that could take that leap, um, like those freshman wide receivers from this year that could uh, that factor in moving forward or transfer portal guys. I mean, on the defense, Jalen Harrell should be back. Chris Jenkins should be back. Kenneth Grant, we talked about him. Mason Graham, 
Uh, Derek Moore or Ayabi Oki. Ayabi Oki has another year of eligibility. Uh, Junior Colson, Michael Barrett could come back for a sixth year. Nikai Hill Green could be back after an injury has kind of cost him this year. Jimmy Rolder's a guy who could take a leap with the offseason. Mm-hmm. Will Johnson, uh, DJ Turner or Jamon Green could come back. We'll see what happens at cornerback. That's my biggest question right now. But Rod Moore will be back. Makari Page will be back. Mike Sainer still will be back. I mean, it's Moten. RJ Moten will be there Braden as well. McGregor, too. Braden McGregor. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I could only use so many ores in there. I guess I didn't have to, I didn't have to limit it, but there's the, the nucleus of guys that are there is listen. I mean, I know there, there's a faction of the fan base that are saying, if they're not going to win a national title this year, when will they? And I get that. Like this is as well positioned as they've been to actually do that since 1997. I mean, they are leaps and bounds. I think proven, over the course of this year, I think they're leaps and bounds better than last year's team uh, in a lot of areas. So, but at the same time, like if they get there and and they don't, um, if they don't find a way to get it done, there's a, there's a real good chance that this team is back in the college football playoff next year. And if you're in the college football playoff, you have at the very least a puncher's chance. Yeah. You don't want to take your risk and, and not win it this year, banking on being there next year, but obviously that's not, a mentality that anybody in the program has because this team will only be there this season. It'll be a completely different team, not completely, but uh, you know, it's a different makeup, you know, even looking at this year compared to last season. So yeah, take your shot this year, feel good about what you have going into next season. And if you do get some surprises of guys coming back, uh, you know, like at the corner spot, or maybe you get, you know, four out of the five starters on the offensive line coming back, things like that. Um, or I guess it'd be three out of five. Then, man, you are in for potentially a great season where you're just building on this thing. You kind of built the foundation in 2021, 2022. You feel a little more dynamic, a little better equipped to potentially win the national championship in 2023. I mean, you're talking about some of those young studs being sophomores or juniors and in some even seniors, then uh, it is really exciting to think about. Uh, but yeah, go win it this year and then maybe try to go back to back next season. That, that's the best bet, I, I guess I would say. Josh Burdenberg has a dollar ninety nine super chat, and I think this was he didn't have a question with it, but I think he sent it in shortly before. So we'll go to this one. It says, "Look forward to the show every week. Can't stand waiting four weeks for the semi. The day JJ committed is one of the best days in the history of Michigan. Talent and culture changer and a winner. Yeah, I mean there will be. Uh, I know that John U. Bacon said that he's done writing books about Michigan, but if there was a fourth book in that." Um, was it third? If there was a next book in that story that he was telling, I think it kind of starts with the COVID season, how they come off of that, and how JJ and you know, I know it was the group of seniors that helped bring this program back last year, but those freshmen came in um, and bought in right away and have set a foundation for a group that we've said we just said, you know, has a chance to not only win a national title this year, they'll be in the mix next year. I have no, you know, I have no issue saying that. We'll see who winds up sticking around for a fourth year, maybe some fifth year guys too. But right now that 2021 recruiting class looks like the class that has completely swung the fortunes of the program. And I think it starts at the quarterback position. Yeah. It it was kind of the perfect storm in a way because you had a senior class in 2021 that was kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? Led by Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Ross, Andrew Vastardis, guys like that. Then you had some of those juniors too, like Cade McNamara and, and others who did a really good job leading this team but then also from the bottom 
you had those freshmen that were bringing energy. I forget what player was talking about this recently, but they were just saying that those seniors set the tone in those fifth year seniors and guys, you know, even Vistardis was a six year senior, but those freshmen bringing their energy was really important for the culture change as well. And, and then now you're seeing it this year where those guys are, you know, JJ McCarthy by default is a leader on this team. Donovan Edwards by default. And just with the personality he has, is a leader on this team. Same with Junior Colson, same with Rod Moore. I mean, there are all sorts of guys like that. So that class, well, it wasn't ranked the highest. I think, what, it was 11th, 12th in the country, you know, decent class. I remember looking at it on that signing day, and we were doing shows, you know, talking about it with EJ Holland and everything. It was like, man, but the top of that class, I mean, you feel really good about not only the personality of these kids, but also the talent that they have. We saw it from day one, and now we're seeing it. Uh, really kind of you know just come to fruition even more here moving forward. Um, and if Michigan does win the national title this season or make the national title game, you know, compete for a national championship, you know, on that Monday night, you're going to, you know, get there because guys like J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Junior Colson, Rod Moore, and then even look at some of the freshmen that are contributing like Colson Loveland, Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham, you know, Jimmy Rolder rotating in. I'm probably missing a couple as well. Like, that is really exciting that, that you're doing that. And it is, you know, what a blessing getting a guy like JJ McCarthy was. Um, yeah. It, you can't say enough about what those have done. And now the expectation for guys that are two years into the program is to beat Ohio state and win the big 10. Right. I mean, that's all they know, as JJ said last summer, now that's all they know two years in a row. And uh, that's how you kind of build off of what you've already built. Well, sometimes all it takes is one, and then things start to snowball from there. At, at a certain point, when Ohio State started its run of dominance in this in that rivalry, it was, you know, they got their ass kicked throughout the you know all of the '90s in the John Cooper era, and you get mm-hmm. one with a new face and some new blood, and it kicked off kind of 20 years of, of kicking Michigan's ass. So I don't know that we're in for 20 years of ass kicking, but uh, if we're uh, if water finds its level, then that will certainly be the case. And and I have to say, I would have no issues with that. Um, let's go to this one from Theodore Dodge, who says, what is the chance we get Mike Morris back at 100% for the TCU game? It's it, He's been dealing with a hamstring thing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, those are hard to come back from. I mean, those I won't say they're hard to come back from. I mean, 100% this time of year um, – it's tough to pull off, but can he be 80% of himself? Can he be 90%? I think that's possible. Yeah, I think so too. I also, I, it looked like a hamstring to me uh, in that Nebraska game. We've gotten absolutely no official word on anything to do with injuries really all season, including with Mike Morris. But to me, the best sign is that he tried to play and did play 11 defensive snaps against Ohio State. I think it was probably, you know, it was a little premature to come back at that point, but everybody on the fringe wanted to play in that game. Then he, he uh, you know, was on the field, was really active, helping guys out, warming up as Anthony, you were on the field for the Big Ten Championship game in his jersey, but no pads or anything, kind of street clothes, as you would call them. Uh, so to me, those are good signs. Like, I, I think that with a few weeks off here, he's going to be probably, you know, he'll play, I, I would guess for sure. And then 100%, yeah, probably pretty close to it. That would be massive. Uh, he is one of the best pass rushers in the country statistically and in the Big Ten with seven and a half sacks. So you kind of need, you know, all you can get, especially against an elite passing attack like TCU. Yep. We'll go to JS's question here. It says, 
Ballas said that there needs to be some fences mended with Blake Corum's family in regards to him possibly returning. You can't, you probably can't give details, but can you give a general issue of what needs to be mended? Yeah, that's tough to answer because uh, Ballas is not with us here tonight. Uh, so I don't want to speak for him or, um, or speak out of turn or anything in that regard. But I do think uh, walking on eggshells here, I think that there are... Uh, and we've seen it with Cade McNamara's transfer. We've seen it with Eric All's transfer. Seems to be a little bit of a disconnect with some messaging between the medical staff and third-party treatment that these guys decide to have when they get second opinions and things like that. So without going too far deep into that, I think that might be what he was referencing. But again, I'm not speaking for him. This is not my intel. Just speculation. So Clayton, I don't know if you have anything to add on that. Uh, I really don't. Uh, honestly, to be quite honest, I don't know exactly what he was referring to either. So I can't provide a ton of insight into that. Um, but yeah, I think his parents, you know, I, if I was advising Blake Corum on what to do, man, it'd be tough to turn down the NFL. As a running back, you're, you're coming off of an injury as well. You know that the shelf life is a little bit shorter for those guys. So uh, that might be it, you know, just kind of talking about what's in his best interest. I think, you know, that's something that they have to sort out. But I, I I don't know. Yeah, no, it's we can't we we can't speak for him. And again, that was purely speculatory on my part. I want to make that very clear before people go to, you know, there are people who will take what we say and go to other message boards and spread stuff. This is not no. intel. It was simply speculation. All right, let's move on. We got two more, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, this another one from Theodore Dodge, who says, "I thought there was a big meeting last week with President Santa Ono about NIL." Have you guys heard any update on Michigan's approach to NIL? Uh, again, something else that Ballas uh, was kind of on the front lines of, so won't speak for him in terms of intel from the meeting. But uh, based on what we know, it's it's one of the it, it's getting to be one of those you know you know what or get off the pot type of situations there. Um, in terms of, I think Michigan knows Michigan the institution uh, knows that they are right up there with the Clemsons and Alabamas and Ohio States right now in terms of being in the national discussion. How do you enjoy it now? While also push yourself into this next era of college sports. I think there is a little bit of, uh, you know, they've been dragging Michigan as an institution has dragged its feet a little too long on this. And I think that there is some, the pressure is kind of on there in terms of uh, people in leadership positions. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. But um you know, I don't, we don't have any substantial update because quite frankly, I don't know that what was presented in the meeting was much of an update or progress at all, to be frank with you. So yeah, the issue is that there's not a lot of updates on the Michigan NIL front. I, I do think they need to be a little bit more cohesive with the collectives that are really working a lot harder in some cases than some people in the athletic department to get this figured out, um, you know, from what we've heard from, from that side of things. So um I do think they need to get a little more organized there on the same page. Um, I know those are vague terms, and I hate when people are talking about NIL in such vague terms, so I do apologize for that. Um, I do know there was the Regents meeting last week, and um, I do know that Ward Manuel spoke very, very briefly, and there wasn't anything about NIL that I saw. Um, again, could have missed something, so I don't necessarily think it was anything at the Regents meeting, but – uh, you know, as, as our Chris Ballas has reported that there are some meetings that are expected to happen before the end of the season or before the end of the year calendar year. 
try to make some progress on that. And that would be huge news for Michigan. I think if they can get it figured out from a football standpoint before the 2024 class really starts to ramp up, then they can, you know, it'll be kind of no harm, no fall with the 23 class. Um, but get on it, you know, do the, do the damn thing. So uh, that's kind of where I stand on it. And we'll take this last one here from Florida Knox, who says, uh, how many transfer portal guys do you think Michigan winds up taking? Uh, I don't have an under over under set for that. I think that the way things are headed right now, just knowing what their needs are, it seems like they're recruiting the tight end position fairly hard on the transfer portal trail. Uh, they've, they are in on at least a couple of cornerbacks. So I would say at least two, they've already brought in the one I'll set the over under clay at five and a half. Okay. I was thinking four and a half. You could bet. Yeah. So you can, yeah. I was going to say as a guest, not over under five. So I guess that'd be me taking the under on yours. I do think, I will say this, like, and I know everyone's being more active right now in the transfer portal this season because there are more players there because there are more departures from every school. So you have roster spots, but I, I have noticed Michigan is being much more active in the portal. And that's with a roster that you feel pretty good about as we've talked about on this show so i do think it'll be about five i think you'll get one at about every position that you're seeing them really hit hard which is tight end you already seen offensive lineman drop potential you know running back um you know you're seeing them target some guys at linebacker corner and, and edge i think positions like edge you know you're always going to be looking for a guy that can get after the quarterback right so um i think there are just many options out there there are going to be probably some roster spots so i'll go with around five, but I think your over-under is pretty accurate. I would be a little surprised if it was more than six. That feels like uh, un-Michigan. That would feel like a, a little bit more, you know, a Michigan State type thing or, or some of these schools that are really hitting it hard. No no, no knock on Michigan State. Oh, but, full, full knock to Michigan State. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, who are now uh, losing more guys than they bring into the transfer portal, which is... But do you have... What's your over on... I mean, you have five and a half. Would you take the over on that or the under on that? They already have one, so. If I was, I would probably, uh, that's the thing. It's all about, do I set it at four and a half and take the over, or do I set it at five and a half and take the under? When you're the, you, yeah, when you're the house and the guy betting, I mean, it's a pretty good game, to be honest. But Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll set it at five and a half and take the under. So Okay, but would you say around five, four or five? That sounds about right, because uh, we saw them take, like, they took a Yabioki, like, two weeks before the season started. And so, Cam Good was midsummer, or no, that was back in, that was in April. April. So, like, yep. we're going to see guys even after spring ball, too. And this thing is not slowing down. It's only going to speed up. So, I, I would imagine – because some guys won't be able to enroll early. You're going to get the the various Hendersons for enrolling early and the Olu Olu teams who enrolled early. But you're not going to – you know, some guys that can't, I think we're going to see, you know, even later in the process. So, they could we, they could be at four and hit that over in, like, well, as they did this past season, like August, what, 17th or whatever it was. Yeah, it was. I, I know it was like 13 days before the season started. I right. remember specifically that number when I wrote the story on it. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they close out this this 2023 recruiting class. I mean, if they don't, typically Michigan takes usually about 25 guys. If they have a class that only finishes around 20, 21, and there's a couple extra spots open that they kind of had earmarked for recruits. Wouldn't be surprised to see them keep backfilling through the portals because I mean, that's the other thing too, is that 
there, there were days last week where like five to 600 guys a day were entering the portal. And so there's going to be guys that pop up and, and, um, and what have you. So uh, we have a 499 super chat from Loretto. Uh, and then we'll get out of here. It says if NIL, if doing NIL right means big 10 champs, I'll take it. Look at the schools that went in all in on NIL and have 20 transfers. Now, listen, there's a fair argument for that. I mean, I also don't think we have nearly as much, you know, nearly as many data points on it too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Texas A&M was a school where that NIL money was burning a hole in their pocket. And it was. That oil money, man. Yeah. That oil money, literally uh, just setting it on fire. Um, BP could not clean up that mess. Unfortunately, still a mess down there. It is. But it, uh, I think that. Michigan's been a little too slow adopting on it. I don't think that just handing McDonald's bags of cash to, for guys to come here is what you're going to want to do. But you know, the issue to me isn't paying guys on the recruiting trail. It's paying guys on your own roster. And there are guys that they have on this roster without, you know, getting into the nitty gritty that I think that there's mutual interest in bringing them back, but it might take a bit of a sweetened NIL deal to do it. And the, I think that there's a, some more effort needed there, so to speak, to make that happen. So I think Michigan's doing it right in terms of telling guys, listen, we're not just going to give you, you know, Hey, Tennessee quarterback, the guy that went to Tennessee, we're not giving you $11 million to just come here sight on scene. But you know, if you come here and you start, this is what our starting quarterback made over the last couple of seasons. I think that sort of data is still being gathered, but uh, there's no question that, Michigan can do more. And I think they can do more within the, the rules and the framework of what's out there. So it's not a fighting fire with fire with the team, the schools that quote unquote are the cheaters, right? But they're just not doing enough by their own standard, which is the annoying part. A couple of things. I agree with Loretto and I do. I'm all for following the rules. I know a lot of teams aren't out there, um, but I am in that camp. I know some people are like, well, there are no rules, whatever. And I understand that standpoint as well. Um, I do also think the roster that Michigan has constructed, a lot of these guys, most, didn't come in during the NIL era. So I think you, know, it, you are going to have to adapt a little bit to how you're doing things. And I think Michigan has, and I think Michigan will continue to. Um, so, yeah, like – Culture right now is really strong. You don't want to give that up for NIL or, or pay for play, as some are calling it, um, including myself. Uh, so you don't want to do that. You don't want to be like Tennessee, which you heard the reports about a fight, you know, a couple days before a big game, and then they lost. Uh, or Texas A&M, where there's all sorts of guys, like, suspended because, you know, God knows why and whatever, and guys are unhappy elsewhere because their promises aren't being fulfilled. So there is a fine line here, and Michigan is playing the long game to an extent, which I respect, but I think you have to find that balance. You can't just have a not-so-good recruiting class every year because, you know, your culture is going to be strong. Well, if you're not winning, then your culture is not going to be strong anyway. So um, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I do love that Michigan just won the Big Ten Championship. If you're a Michigan fan, you should be absolutely fired up about the college football playoff and about the way Michigan has done things, but you also should feel like, you know, maybe they can do a little bit more, adapt a little bit more. Um, 
but yeah, I don't want to be one of those teams if you're Michigan to uh, to take 20 transfers a year and see 20 guys leave and and be one of those you know, teams stuck in limbo either. So you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how the next few years of college football play out elsewhere too, because you know you, you're you're already seeing some some messiness out there. Yep, I think you can have your cake and eat it too uh, at Michigan, and that's that's the delightful part about it. You just have to have all boats rowing in the same direction. That's going to do it for us tonight, I think. Uh, Clayton, thank you so much for your time, as always, on a Monday night. Thank you to our listeners, our followers, our viewers, the people who jumped in with Super Chats tonight. Uh, thank you for your role in this production uh, on this Monday night and every Monday night. Be sure to like the video below. Subscribe to our channel for more content uh, throughout. I mean, just always, but definitely throughout the next three or four weeks with the college football playoff coming up and early signing day is next week. So a lot going on in our universe right now. So uh, for Clayton, uh, I'm Anthony Broom. Thank you guys so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.